Um, hello, 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 and welcome to the Bitcoin in Nigeria a discussion series. I'm your host, Charlene Badarepo. I'm here with my co-host, Heritage Valadun. Today, we're going to be talking to Bernard Parat, who is the co-founder and CEO of Bitnob. And Bitnob is the easiest way to save in Bitcoin in Nigeria. So let's get started. All right. So thank you all for folks that have joined us in the room today. I'm super excited to be having this discussion. I'm so excited that so many of you are taking time out of your work day and I guess the end of your day to, to have this discussion. Uh, we thought before we kind of dug in and chatted with Bernard, we, uh, Heritage and I wanted to give you a little bit of context about us and tell you why this conversation is so, so important. So um, this is the Bitcoin in Nigeria discussion series. Uh, we're going to be looking to Bernard, and Bernard is one of the innovators that is leading this thing called the Bitcoin revolution in Nigeria. The goal of this series is to expand the narrative of Bitcoin, and we want to give voice to the innovators and the early adoptions that are in on the ground doing this work. Over the course of this series, we plan to connect with fintech founders, developers, influencers, e and ecosystem builders that are an integral part of Nigeria's Bitcoin story. And the goal here is that we hope that this series can deepen your understanding of the global use case of Bitcoin in Nigeria and around the world. So we have a pretty huge task here. We're gonna be here for one hour um, and I hope you enjoy our conversation. Uh, let me first tell you a little bit about myself and uh, Heritage is gonna share a little bit about his background. But I want to set the stage and give you some kind of why it's important to have this conversation right now. So my name is Charlene Faderepo. I'm a fintech founder. I'm a former regulator. And I'm also a Bitcoin advisor. But I'll tell you what, like my interest in Bitcoin is deeply personal. Bitcoin in Nigeria is deeply personal. I'm a black American woman. But 10 years ago, I married my husband, a Yoruba man and I have extended family and friends in Nigeria. So everything that happens in Nigeria is absolutely top of mind for me. And so the way I see Bitcoin, the lens that I use is actually quite different. Um, so let me take a little time and set the stage and give you guys some context. Why does it matter? Why is it important to have this discussion about Bitcoin in Nigeria? Well, if you take a look at the typical entitled Western view of Bitcoin, it is very narrow because it focuses on Bitcoin as a currency, as an inflation hedge, or as an investment vehicle for the US, right? But I think, I personally think that that view of Bitcoin is limiting and it actually misses the point. I believe Bitcoin's true value is as an inclusive, censorship-resistant financial system for the people of the world that are experiencing the most economic pain. And while we absolutely have significant, significant economic challenges in the U.S., particularly for marginalized communities like the Black community, for sure, but it's also important to acknowledge that most of the economic pain in the world exists outside the US. So with year over year overall inflation in Nigeria at 18% and food inflation in Nigeria at 
there's economic pain around the country. But the good news is that in Nigeria, Bitcoin has become what I believe to be the great equalizer and the great enabler. Bitcoin allows individual Nigerians, Nigerians to leapfrog their existing financial system and chart a path to their own prosperity. Bitcoin's dominance in Nigeria, despite government restrictions, has made it the most inequitable financial system in the world. And for many, many, many years, Nigeria has experienced the perfect storm of challenging political, civil, economic, and social events that have illuminated the need for a better, more efficient of money. If you think about the world, you think about Nigeria's place in the world, Nigeria is actually Africa's largest economy. It's a total population of 200 million people. Um, like I said before, I believe Bitcoin is the great equalizer and the great enabler in Nigeria. Um, this one financial system protects human rights. It provides currency stability. It enables cheaper, more efficient remittances. It enables commerce within and between African countries. And it gives individual Nigerians ownership and agency over their financial lives. And it also plants the seeds of economic independence from Western countries. So I believe the magnitude, the scale, the adoption, and the level of impact of Bitcoin in Nigeria warrants this discussion. And this is a discussion I think that every country in the world can learn from. And this is why it is so, so important for us to have this discussion right here, right now, today. And with that, I'm gonna turn this over to Heritage, who's gonna share his background and talk more about the format for this discussion today. Heritage? Yeah, good day, everyone. Um, it's, it's nice being here. Charlene, I must say, you've, um, you've really been um, taking us through this process, uh, through this discussion series in a very great way. Yeah, um, I'm actually going to go straight to the point. Um, I, I will be focusing majorly on the format of today's discussion series, and I will give uh, a brief introduction about myself. Once again, I'm um, Heritage Samuel, a program and software developer, a cryptocurrency analyst and consultant, a copywriter, and yes, I'm currently building Eagle Exchange. Um, I'm majorly into um, mobile web development with the use of that and Flutter. So I'm more doubling like a um, software developer and a cryptocurrency analyst and consultant. And yes, I'm talking about uh, today's discussion, Bitcoin in Nigeria and um, expanding the um, narrative. I, I, I would like to uh, come from a perspective that I, I, I perceive Bitcoin as um, a different perspective as a Nigerian. Yes, uh, I tend to understand that there are different use cases to what Bitcoin tends to um, serve, mostly in West African countries. And yes, I will go ahead and um, inform you guys about our speaker. We, after that, we proceed into the um, introduction of our speaker, the person of Bernard. And um, immediately after the session, we tend to take um, question and answer from our audience after um, 
getting in touch with Bernard with some strategic uh, questions in regards to Bitcoin in Nigeria and how um, BitNob is a company who aid the economic importance of cryptocurrency and uh, the situation of things in regards to policies and a lot of questions in related. Excellent. Thank you so, so much. Okay. So let's transition. The audience with questions will be able to like uh, come up, make requests and get their questions answered. Audience gets to uh, contribute and share their opinion as well. And after that, we call it a day and give you uh, a brief, a brief summary and um, elucidation about everything we said, and immediately we give you information about when our next series will be coming up and uh, the kind of speakers and uh, people you should expect. Once again, I'm Meritage Samuel. I, I will hand over the mic straight to um, Charlene to continue with um, getting in touch with um, Bernard and let's start the program. It's going to be an insightful one and um, more productive and interactive. Nice getting it, everyone. Once again, I'm Elisage Samuel. I'm John Speak. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so, so much, Heritage. So let's go ahead and transition and hear from our speaker. But first, let me give you a brief introduction of Bernard Perra. So Bernard Perra is the co-founder and CEO of Bitnob. So Bitnob provides financial services such as savings, loans, and payments in Bitcoin. Bernard has a software engineering background and has been into Bitcoin since 2013. So he is what we would call an OG. So Bernard, thank you so much for being here and we appreciate your time to be a part of this discussion. Yeah, thank you, Charlene. Um, thank you, Heritage, and hello everyone. Happy to be here. Okay. So we actually had a laundry list of questions for you, Bernard, but I first, you know, Bitnob announced some pretty exciting news yesterday, and I, I would be remiss not to start off with that. So um, what we understand, Bitnob launched on the Lightning Network. Of course, Lightning Network is the second layer of Bitcoin, which enables super fast, super efficient peer-to-peer -peer payments. So Bernard, can you talk to us about that journey and how exciting uh, an achievement that is for Bitnob. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, so for those who don't know what the Lightning Network is, um, it's essentially a second layer technology that um, uh, is built on top of Bitcoin to facilitate instant uh, and almost fearless um, transactions. So if you've ever had your Bitcoin be stuck for days or uh, you know hours, uh, the Lightning Network kind of um, solves all of that. And what you're actually transacting on the Lightning Network is still Bitcoin. It's not another cryptocurrency or whatever. And um, it's so if you, uh, a little backstory. So uh, sometime in 2017, uh, when the Lightning Network was uh, kind of still on, on testnet, uh, you know, uh, kind of played with it. Uh, I think there's this website, eals.org, uh, run by as uh, Alex Bosworth, I, you know, I paid for an article uh, on the testnet to read that article and it was like five cents and I was able to pay for it and it was actual Bitcoin that I paid for on testnet and I was fascinated by technology. Of course, um, earlier between 2015 and 2017, uh, you know, there was this whole, um, what we call the block size, the Bitcoin civil war where 
some people wanted to scale Bitcoin differently and uh, other people felt uh, we should build on new layers. Um, you know, and at the end of the day, uh, what we have, what we call the Bitcoin Independence Day today, that's 1st of August, uh, you know, uh, we decided to say Bitcoin is going this way. And then that was what we gave us uh, Bitcoin Cash. Yeah, so uh, fast forward, uh, you know, fast forward, Lightning Network went live uh, on mainnet sometime in 2018. And we've, uh, you know, had a couple of companies, uh, you know, uh, integrating it first. Of course, you know, the nerds just playing with it. And, you know, recently in the past two years, we've seen more companies integrating uh, the Lightning Network uh, as well. And the question still remains that if you want to scale uh, Bitcoin to a billion people, how do you do that? Do you do that on a chain that processes, say, maybe seven transactions per second, or do you do it on another layer? Uh, and the answer to that is, of course, the Lightning Network. Now, most of the companies that you have already using the Lightning Network, uh, of course, in the developed world. And uh, most recently, we saw the uh, case uh, with um, El Salvador, where uh, the people got, you know, the people who are mostly unbanked now via the Lightning Network, they're able to, uh, you know, get banked due to the work of Bitcoin Beach and people like um, Strike. So, uh, you know, I, I felt that we have a lot to gain from this technology. Uh, we've already seen what Bitcoin can do for us now. How do we also, uh, you know, get more Africans, Nigerians, Ghanaians, you know, South Africans to kind of, get in the forefront because if you look at how the internet started people were behind we were behind in africa like you had companies already go, uh, going public uh, in the western market internet companies and by the time we had caught up it was uh, it was gone but then this is money this is still a nascent um, technology it's just 10 12 years old and i felt that if we can get africans early then there's a lot uh, to give uh, from the upside of this so that was why my team and we started working. We had initially planned to start working on it sometime in March. Um, but, of course, what happened with the central bank in February kind of derailed us. And um, sometime in late, uh, late June, we resumed our work on it. And we were able to build a lightning infrastructure, uh, including APIs and everything. And today we're here. So uh, it was intense, uh, a lot of hard work uh, to get it out and on time. And uh, it's exciting. I'm still, I'm still, I don't know how to describe the feeling, but uh, it's great. I still say, wow, every time I do a lightning transaction. So it's great. Yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. And so you use some really specific words and I just want to double click on them. You said um, you felt like in the internet age, um, you guys were behind, right? You felt very behind. So would you agree that maybe Bitcoin in Nigeria and even Lightning um, is enabling Nigeria to catch up, if you will? Yeah, not just catch up, uh, probably lead. Uh, I mean, exactly. if we had better policies, it would have been <laughs> way ahead of them, yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, that's fantastic. Well, congratulations. I'm excited about it. Um, I'm excited. Thank you. Um, you know, lightning is something that's actually, to your point, it's becoming more prominent here in the United States, but it's still very, very early. And so the fact that you guys are already onboarding folks on lightning and, and processing payments, it's a big deal. So can you just, for folks that might be based in Nigeria and they might be BitNob customers, can you tell us what the customer experience looks like as a result of the switch to lightning? Yeah, so uh, of course we still have support for uh, on-chain transactions, but I'm feeling it's uh, pretty easy. So uh, let's assume you want to receive uh, 
$1 from someone in the United States, all you need to do is go to your BitNob wallet, select the Bitcoin wallet. Uh, of course, we have a dollar wallet and a Bitcoin wallet. Uh, once you select that, you know, you just click on receive and you see lightning or on-chain. Once you select lightning, you're able to enter the amount you want to receive. Say if it's $1, you enter $1 and you enter what we call a memo that just describes the transaction. Once you have it, uh, it gives you a QR code and, uh, you know, a string of text uh, that we call um, an invoice. So once you share that with anyone, around the world, they can instantly send money to you. You're going to receive it in less than five seconds uh, and settle into your BitNob wallet. So that's what it looks like. And um, for those who want to make payments, so let's assume you want to buy uh, airtime of, uh, you know, just 15 era, you can go on the site like BitRefill and uh, with your Bitcoin via Lightning, you can easily make payments for that. And you can also send money to someone in the United States uh, using Lightning as well. Uh, instantly, instantly settled, no need to wait for uh, transactions to confirm on the blockchain nice nice so if i was in the united states could i have a bitcoin bitnob account and send money to nigeria as well yes you could and of course um there, there's a major announcement coming out for that as well for the united states for those who want to be able to do it directly from their bank accounts so from your chase account you can send money to me uh in nigeria and uh, wallets uh, we've already done the test transaction uh recently so uh the announcement will come out maybe later today or tomorrow from the u.s that's awesome well that my dear is an amazing i think for me like you know bitcoin has been a godsend when it comes to remittances and sending money i have you know business owners that i work with in nigeria and then family members right and so just it's so expensive and just difficult to send money to nigeria so that is super exciting well and good to know okay so let's transition. So I want to go back to kind of a macro view of things. And so um, I wanted to get your perspective. So there are a lot of factors that are uh, in, um, I guess, driving this level of Bitcoin adoption in Nigeria. But, you know, you see it. Can you talk about what, you know, what those driving factors are and how they have grown your business at BitNob? Okay, yeah. So um, I'll look at a couple of them and um, before I get to the bit upside. So, of course, the, um, the major thing with uh, the Nigerian situation is the, um, it's a case of foreign exchange, uh, currency controls. And it's like for the central bank, most of the policies they are making is, uh, you know, just guided by, you know, controlled by the fact that, okay, they want to have more forex, they want to have more control of uh, monetary flows uh, in and out of the economy. And, you know, even though most of the decisions that they take uh, are things we don't agree with, uh, some of those decisions uh, kind of affect, have affected Bitcoin, have affected how people uh, view Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies generally. So if you look at um, the macroeconomic conditions like um, the inflation, uh, in the past 10 years, you know, Nigeria has had what we have. Ah, sorry, can you hear me properly? Um, yes, yes. Creep. Okay, I'm treating malaria, so I'm just uh, a bit. Okay, yeah, so in the past 10 years, for example, Nigeria has had, uh, you know, around 16% has uh, had around more than uh, the average uh, inflation rate uh, of sub, sub over of other sub, uh, Saharan countries, so, uh, which is usually around 10.8%, but Nigeria has been, you know, doing much more than that. And as of today, we're around um, 18% core inflation, and food inflation is around 21%, right? Uh, and of course, 
as we all know, with uh, inflation, you have uh, things like uh, more unemployment, you know, increasing prices of goods, uh, poverty, and all of those things. And those things have been uh, like core drivers of inflation, of uh, the adoption of Bitcoin in Nigeria. And the other part that uh, has driven has increased adoption is, uh, of course, uh, these new uh, digitally native uh, Nigerians who are working uh, with companies around the world who are freelancing, and you know f- ways for them to receive payments. Uh, Bitcoin just makes it really easy to receive payments. So. Uh, they are cut off from services like um, receiving payments using PayPal. Uh, they don't have a Venmo. They don't have a cash app that works uh, with others. So Bitcoin is just like a natural uh, way for them to receive payments. Uh, then you have, of course, people who, you know, for them, they, they are people who just listen to things like Apple Music, Spotify, people who play a lot of games and, you know, uh, they can they can use gift cards to make purchases to pay for these things because they probably can't use their own uh, Naira debit cards to make those uh, payments. Things like Bitcoin make it really easy for them to, uh, you know, pay for those services. So I can just get my Bitcoin, go to a website like BitRefill, can buy my gift card instantly. Uh one of the other drivers, of course, is um, remittances. So as remittances are like, in fact, there has been a lot of drama when it comes to the remittance space. And as it stands, we have a lot of, a lot of um, remittance companies who have uh, basically been banned from doing business here. And at a point, you know, the Nigerian government uh, sometime in March, you know, had to even do what I call like a giveaway uh, to encourage people to send money through banks. But of course, uh, apart from the fact that the exchange rate you would get um, a remittance from uh, in the bank is at least, say, 20%, uh, say 20% lower than what you get in the free or black market, uh, Nigerians pro- uh, are preferring Bitcoin. So, of course, if I get my Bitcoin, there is a lot of liquidity in the market. Uh, I can easily sell it uh, there and then without having to go to a bank or uh, be worried about any kind of uh, currency controls. So um, Bitcoin is just natural for some of these people. Um, um, uh, ben, ben, yeah, I, yeah. Can you I, hear me? I, I think it's. I can hear you. I think it's perfectly okay. You um, explaining this context from the um, perspective of policy, from the perspective of innovation, from the perspective of um, um, transitioning into uh, a different and decentralized finance system. So. Um, Coming from um, the view that as a Nigerian, you you tend to understand the concept of how Bitcoin works in Nigeria, um, unlike how it works in the Western world, where um, I mean countries like our United States, where they tend to like view Bitcoin. I mean, cryptocurrency as a whole, more like. Um, more like a generation wet kind of and um hey heritage i'm having a couple issues um hearing hearing that oh, whole question i wasn't which, sure which just real quick bernard did you hear heritage's question at all at all at all can you can you hear me now? uh yeah i can hear you yeah can we can we run that back real quick 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think what, what I was trying to say, Bernard, is like coming from the perspective whereby you're talking about the policies, uh, that is the challenges perspective, the policies, um, the adoption processes, the use cases, that is Nigerians tend to view uh, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency from the perspective of trading majorly as a means of getting um, their needs met and needs of exchange probably through their work or something. What's your view? Like, paint a picture of you being being um, a Nigerian, elucidating how you started in, in Bitcoin and the use cases, how it tends to, like, help you as an individual. I, I mean, more like a Nigerian youth perspective. You know, during the NSAS process, Bitcoin was the driving force. Um, when it comes to trading, as far as you said, in regards to inflation and uh, people being on it, most youth are adopting Bitcoin as a, uh, as more like more like their occupation, adopting trading and investing and getting um, remittances, as you said. So I want you to like uh, paint a picture of how um, Bitcoin use cases is in Nigeria presently. Okay, thank you. So uh, I think I kind of got it mixed up if it's um, presently or so. So I'll just talk, uh, take it a step back. Uh, so sometime in 2015, uh, I mean, uh, there was this, uh, if you remember, there was this CBN policy where they placed a ban on, uh, you know, narrow debit cards abroad. So basically, if you were abroad, you can't uh, use your debit card to withdraw funds. And uh, unfortunately for me, I think that was in December of 2015. Uh, so I was still in Ghana back then uh, on holidays. Uh and I didn't even see the news. I wasn't even aware. And uh, January, I tried to uh, go get funds from my bank account. Uh, that's just to withdraw money using my ATM card, uh, which included my school fees, and go back to school. Uh, when I went, I couldn't make a withdrawal. I tried, tried, tried. I couldn't make a withdrawal. I, I thought it was the bank. And, you know, the next day I still went. I couldn't do it. And I think I forgot, I asked someone and they told me that oh, there's this, I that. And I went online to check the news. And uh, of course, there was this, uh, this ban when it uh, went uh, live, say, 1st January of 2016. So effectively, uh, I was cut off, uh, couldn't use my own money, uh, couldn't do anything. At the end of the day, uh, exchanged this for Bitcoin where someone paid someone, uh, you know, and then they sent to me over there in Accra before I was able to figure out, uh, sell the Bitcoin and, uh, you know, settle my bills. Uh, I think that was very personal to me because uh, at that point, I felt really helpless. Um, and I, I vowed back then that, um, you know, as much control I can have over the things in my life, uh, I'll try to uh, take much control of them. And I basically saw a totally different light uh, back then. So that personal experience, of course, uh, if you look down, if you look back now, look at the NSAS, for example, where people's bank accounts were blocked because uh, they donated or they collected donations for the protest. Uh, you see what we call a case of, you know, censorship resistance where, uh, where Bitcoin was able to be like a way and we were prevented from donating to the protest. Uh, the fact that uh, Bitcoin uh, was used to collect donations for that process just basically showed uh, how Bitcoin can be a censorship-resistant um, asset. So, okay. hello. Oh, Bernard, will you, will you say the, um, the crypto ban itself 
made it very obvious or made Bitcoin more explanatory to Nigeria that um, the Bitcoin and cryptocurrency ecosystem is actually made to be thriving by peer-to-peer peer system because I, I following based on statistics, I tend most Nigeria tends to like um, trade um, Bitcoin, like um, get them from exchanges directly with with their uh, debit cards and probably getting them directly with their account linked before the ban. And after the ban, people realize that, yes, we can't go through this means again. They, uh, will you think um, the ban itself has corrupted the rate of peer-to-peer um, XAM -peer, um, in um, the cryptocurrency space? Yeah, I think you've answered the question. Yeah, but I, I think so. Yeah, of course. Of yeah, course, it does. And, and while, we're, while we're on the topic of the CBN, right, because I think it's, it's hard to not, you can't talk about Bitcoin in Nigeria without talking about um, all the different positions the CBN or Central Bank of Nigeria has taken. Um, we kind of talked about, we talked about that the political side, right, the NSARS movement, the fact that Bitcoin enabled activists to continue to protest um, um, the police brutality that was happening in Nigeria. I'm about, um, you know, just yesterday, we, we heard news that the CBM decided to freeze uh, bank accounts from fintech platforms, right? So platforms like RiseVest, Bamboo, Trove, and Chaka. So these are, these are the platforms that many Nigerians are using to invest in stocks. To me, it feels like that's going to just increase Bitcoin use in Nigeria. Uh, Bernard, what, what's your view on that? And, and what's your view of the CBN's uh, decision just yesterday to freeze uh, the bank accounts of some of these fintech platforms? Oh, I mean, uh, it wasn't unexpected. Uh, it was it was a case of what's next, uh, where they're coming for. Right. So, uh, and unfortunately, this uh, is what they came for. Um of course, I think it's it's going to increase um, the usage of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies uh, because, uh, you know, and one side effect that, uh, you know, it's playing out in real time is a distrust for uh, for the central bank and banks in general, right? So sure. if you saw what everyone was saying, it's kind of, uh, you know, what if they're coming for our savings next, right? Yeah. And um, things like this can actually trigger uh, a bank run Right, and then you have people just trying to move uh, their savings because the question still remains after these people, what's next? Right, and uh, people have been working really hard in Nigeria, nothing is really getting better, especially financially. So, uh, the little that they have, they have to do everything to protect it. So, yeah, I think, um, I think they just do free adverts for uh, Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies in general, How about that? frankly. <laughs> I think so too. You don't have to do much, Bernard. <laughs> You can just point to that and say Bitcoin fixes this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like our marketing department right now. Absolutely. Um, okay, awesome. I, I want to pivot a little bit. And you talked a little bit about um, your background, but I'd love to hear your Bitcoin origin story and how you got into Bitcoin and, and kind of, you know, it'd be great for you to share with the, with the space uh, your journey uh, toward building BitNup. Oh, so um, it's interesting because uh, I think for those, uh, I don't know how many of us can remember uh, Liberty Reserve. Um, I know this, it was this digital currency. You could move between anonymous accounts uh, back then and trade in Forex and all of that. So 
uh, I did a lot of um, Liberty Reserve and uh, sometime in um, uh, 2013, I think sometime in April, maybe about uh, kind of um, got shot down and the founder arrested or so. Uh, so uh, a lot of us lost a lot of money uh, in Liberty Reserve back then uh, because, I mean, that was our house just been online, uh, you know. And uh, so I, I moved to Ghana in uh, June of that same year to school. And uh, sometime in October, I think, was it October? Yeah, there was this uh, thing about um, Ross Albrick, his arrest, um, Silk Road. Uh, I saw it online and... That's kind of, uh, and of course, there was this talk of Bitcoin and whatnot. And it's like, what is this thing and stuff? So I had this other friend, of course, uh, was also doing uh, Liberty Reserve. So we had a lot of things in common. And I spoke to him, I said, uh, I already know about this Bitcoin. I sell it and all of that. And that, that was it. I mean, so you mean I can sell it? I can buy it and sell it and make some money off it. And it's like, yeah, uh, D2 currency, yeah, and all of that. So. Uh, in the early days, of course, it was just, of course, buying, flipping, and, you know, just making some change out of it as a student. Uh, but I think it changed for me, uh, you know, in 2015 when I had that issue, uh, you know, with uh, with my bank account. Uh, I think I, I saw Bitcoin in an entirely different uh, light back then. And uh, so I, I kind of started digging more, uh, what we call uh, going down the rabbit hole started, you know, just reading, consuming as much material as I could, started connecting with more Bitcoiners, uh, you know, and just seeing how things would go. Um, sometime in uh, 2017, I think that was in June or so, I kind of quit my full-time job back then to uh, just focus on, uh, basically, I just wanted to focus on blockchain development. So uh, I felt that there was an opportunity here and um, we're still early. And, uh, you know, I, I wanted to like get a grip of this before it goes mainstream. So uh, I kind of just went in full time and started doing, you know, uh, building, you know, learning solidity, the likes and uh, trading at the same time, like uh, doing OTC on the streets of Accra. So back then, of course, um, if you want an OTC transaction, you probably like move around that crowd with cash. Sometimes you're moving with $10,000, dollars $30,000 in a bag and move, meeting someone uh, you've never met before. And uh, yeah, some really <laughs> crazy stories. Uh, I once went to a studio uh, to buy Bitcoin worth $15,000 with this guy I'd never met. Uh, and, you know, uh, I was in there and there were these hefty guys and I was like, well, what if these guys just decide to snuff me now, collect the money and tell me to go? And, you know, but then luckily for me, he was like a really cool guy and we still do business today. So it was really wild back then in Accra. And of course, one other interesting thing is, uh, I think sometime around 2015, uh, the way we used to buy Bitcoin in Accra back then was um, you'd go to uh, you know, like a cafe and they had this uh, logbook where you'd like write the first like five uh, digits of your bitcoin address five letters of your bitcoin address the last five you enter the amount you want to pay your phone number and everything and then you come back maybe a day or two later uh to claim the bitcoin so by then they have enough liquidity to service you then you claim it so we couldn't really buy uh, it online uh back then so uh, a lot of interesting things seeing this uh grow seeing uh exchanges like Paxful becoming popular and um, having people trade on them. 
you know, and of course the 2017 boom just kind of blew everything out of the water because uh, we're doing a lot of seminars going on radio, but then I was still in Accra and, you know, just talking about just trying to get people in. So uh, it's been an interesting journey. And of course, I just, uh, so when I started bidding up back then, it was more uh, of OTC transactions, just had slapped the website on top of it, just drop your order, uh, I'll contact you and then we'll find a way to uh, kind of solve it. And uh, back then it's people within the community saying they trust you, people will be able to like trust you and give you their money before and and then you're able to get Bitcoin for them and supply uh, to them. I uh, kept doing a lot of that before I came back to Nigeria in uh, 2018, uh, which then I tried like a voucher service. So it was like a service that allows you to uh, convert to buy a voucher and uh, you're able to convert it into Bitcoin instantly without creating an account. Uh, so it was very neat. Um, I wasn't full-time on it, so it was very neat. It didn't really fly the way we would have wanted uh, sometime in 2019, we tried out, uh, you know, a non-custodial wallet. Uh, so, you know, we had people using it and whatnot. Uh, but then the 2020 was like the breaking point. After we walked on another startup, it didn't really fly. 2020, we decided to say, hey, look, um, we're going back into this full time to see. We understand this space. We've worked for our companies uh, in this space. We've built products for them. So we understand how to build products in this space. And um, we decided to kind of, and here we are today. That's a pretty cool story. I mean, you were effectively a personal over-the-counter exchange for several years before you started Bitnob. I, I yeah, guess international yeah, too. <laughs> that's correct. Uh, mostly in Nigeria, Ghana. I was helping some families send money back home to Nigeria from Ghana as well. So, and just doing both, just give me the Bitcoin. I would be able to fund your accounts in nigeria or your mobile money in ghana so yeah yeah that's awesome and i think to your point earlier is that like you you had experienced that economic pain and so you understood how tough it was and so that effectively was the perfect pilot to build bitnob right because you knew where the gaps were and you knew where the inefficiencies were that's pretty awesome awesome okay so tell us about the um i'm going to switch it we're spending a little bit more time uh, on Bitnob, and then we're going to talk about the African startup ecosystem. Okay, so Bitnob, tell us about kind of the ideal customer for Bitnob and all the wonderful things. If, when you become a Bitnob customer, what? tell me about the customer experience and all the things I have access to as a new Bitnob customer. Um, okay, wow, this is getting muted. Okay, can you hear me now? Yeah, it's a little choppy, but I think we okay. hear you. Okay, um, should be much clearer now, yeah? Okay, yeah, so, uh, I mean, for f- first, when we started with Bitnob, it was um, to really get uh, people who, I mean, for a lot of people who wanted to come into Bitcoin, there was that uh, barrier where they felt um, they needed to learn how to trade, they needed to spend long hours trading, time in the market, and, uh, you know, doing all of that. But uh, from my experience um, trading, uh, I mean, a lot of traders won't tell you when they make losses, but they, they're always going to post, uh, you know, whenever they make gains and people are attracted to those gains, right? But then there are a lot of losses involved as well. And uh, it requires time. But, uh, you know, there, there's something that has been done that people have been doing in the space for a long time, which is a uh, dollar cost averaging. And you don't really need to understand a lot. You can 
literally just start with one dollar and see how it goes one dollar a day one dollar a week one dollar a month and you know see how it goes i ha- and you know i had been playing around that and just figured hey we can turn this into a product uh you know to allow anyone who doesn't even understand bitcoin to get started because uh it's really like once you get started your money is in it you have skin in the game then you find yourself learning more about it so we kind of build this product that uh, you know automates uh, dollar cost averaging back then i checked um, around africa there was no product doing it so we decided to do it give it a really nice uh, user interface and user experience where what you just do is you create what you call a savings so you can just decide to say uh i'm committing to you know a savings of ten dollars every month in bitcoin uh, regardless of the price so i'm not worried about the price i'm just uh, focused on the fact that i want to save ten dollars every month uh, that gives you a long-term thinking mindset uh, it's basically if you can save in fiat currency then you can save in bitcoin as well for the long term and for people who felt that bitcoin was like a get rich quick scheme uh, you know, they usually get bonds, right? But um, with dollar cost averaging, you know, it's more or less, you know, in the long term, you have a better chance of, uh, you know, making it. So we decided to just simplify it for uh, starting with Nigerians, now Ghanaians to be able to do that. And uh, what, what we discovered along the way was, you know, some people had emergencies and they needed to move their money uh, out back into fiat. So we introduced uh, another product, uh, which is what we call the knob credit. Uh, so that product essentially allows you to uh, still keep your Bitcoin, but take like an error loan uh, with it. So we give you a loan, but then we keep your Bitcoin as a uh, form of collateral so that by the time you pay back, uh, you know, you still have your Bitcoin uh yeah so of course uh it has a fully featured uh bitcoin wallet uh you can basically save your bitcoin there uh you know move it out anytime receive bitcoin and right now it also gives you lightning transactions so uh you know if you receive bitcoin and you don't want to move it to your bank account uh, but you want to use it for everyday stuff you can literally just uh go on bit refill from and then buy anything you want to buy with your Bitcoin. And if there's any store that you have that accepts Lightning or Bitcoin, you can literally just make uh, payments there. Uh, the experience is really easy for, you know, anyone who can, you know, even we have parents using it. Uh, someone saved, I think it's something that I'm really proud of. So, you know, she's a parent and she was able to uh, start saving when we launched. And, you know, uh, we saved in Bitcoin. She was able to use it for school fees uh, early this year as well to pay for her kids' school fees uh, just from her gains. So uh, it's really easy for anyone to use. Yeah. Um, That's really Bella. awesome. Oh, go ahead. Did you have something here, Richard? Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, actually, um, it's very, very great. You mentioned about um, you mentioned about the uh, dollar cost averaging feature. I think that was uh, the major. Um, side attraction that got me acquainted with Bisnop. Um, um, talking about the community and kind of science I get um, on cryptocurrency consultancy. And I, I, I think most of them tend to come with the perspective that, okay, we have uh, Cash App doing this. We, had, we have Cash App enabling Bitcoin transaction and even enabling um, um, dollar cost averaging features. So uh, I tend to get more Africans Nigerians, to be precise, people from Ghana, they tend to come up with this. Um, how can I keep investing into, uh, how can I keep doing this? Um, you explaining the dollar cost averaging feature is actually very, very nice. And um, 
to top it up, we now have beaten up having um, the lightning feature. And yes, I would like to um, ask you this. Judging on all these criteria in Nigeria, will you say um, Bitcoin or the cryptocurrency space itself is already banking the bank or, or it's just transitioning the bank to a decentralized system? What's your opinion about that? No, we're definitely not uh, banking down banked uh, just yet. Uh, what what Bitcoin is doing right now is uh, is you know just providing the uh, on the banks uh, you know a global bank account. That's uh, we're still at that stage. Yeah, that it's amazing. I mean, I think I agree with Heritage. I mean, the fact that you guys are doing DCA, you know, the credit products. Um, that is, that's exactly what, you know, every community of the world needs right now. Um, but you've done it kind of in a way, I think you mentioned that people can get started with a dollar. And so you've kind of uh, customized it to make it make sense uh, in Nigeria. And so I, I just, I'm excited about the future of BitNob and just excited about the whole plethora of financial Bitcoin financial services products that you will be providing to Nigeria, hopefully all of Africa, and then hopefully around the world. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Good deal. Um, so um, we're going to transition really quickly. We have, I just want to talk really quickly about the African slash Nigerian startup ecosystem, and then we will open the floor up for a couple questions from the crowd. So we do have a couple of folks that have already mentioned that they want to have some questions. So if you do have questions for Bernard, you know, or for the space, uh, please go ahead and request it and we'll bring you up shortly. I have also brought up uh, another uh, another uh, person that we wanted to talk to. Her name is Yowande Odumosu. She is an angel investor, an operator, an advisor, and enabler of the, enabler of the African tech ecosystem. And so I'm going to ask uh, Yowande and Bernard to answer question uh, between the two of them. So here's the question. Uh, I'd like to, I'd love to get your thoughts on the growth of Nigeria's startup ecosystem. And this is an important question. So for the folks in the room, you, uh, you, whether or not you know this, but Africa is arguably the most attractive destination. Um, actually, Africa, Nigeria is actually the most attractive destination for venture capital in Africa, right? So we have Africa's already, Nigeria is already home to two unicorns, Flutterwave and Jumia, and a billion dollar fintech company called Interswitch. And so there is a very fertile ground for uh, fintech uh, companies to grow and flourish. So with that, I, Bernard, I'd love to hear your perspective on the growth of the startup ecosystem in Nigeria. And Yawande, I'd love to hear your perspective as well. Yeah, uh, I think um, so. So I think I, I would like to see this uh, current phase we're in as maybe the third wave. Or of course, there were the early guys around. Um, so excluding the guys from like early 2000s, so maybe the guys from like 2008 to 2012, and then the uh, sets from um, 2015, uh, you know, to uh, 2017, that's the likes of um, Flutterwave, uh, Paystacks. And uh, of course, so right now from 2020, it's like we're seeing like a new wave of startups, of course, with more funding, uh, you know, more venture capital firms, uh, more angels and whatnot. But uh, at this point, at this point, uh, I don't want to say much about it, especially what happened yesterday. At this point, I think um, everyone is just trying to survive. Uh, we're just trying to survive the next uh, few months, few years. 
to see what will happen, right? Uh, but it speaks to the resilience of, uh, you know, everyone, uh, the founders, the teams uh, working in the space. It just speaks to the resilience that uh, when, you, when you think about it, if there were no stumbling blocks like we have right now, uh, how much would we have been able to achieve? Right, uh, without P2P, if someone could send money from a Chase Bank uh, and it comes through Bidnob and lands instantly in the Nigerian bank for someone, how much would I have done for financial inclusion? If it can land into a mobile money wallet, how much would I have done for financial inclusion? So, uh, you know, I think uh, at this stage, it's just everyone trying to, you know, survive and just, you know, see how things go in the coming years. Yeah, thank you, Bernard. And just for folks for context in terms, so Bernard mentioned something that happened yesterday. So yesterday, uh, another thing that hit the news was there was a leaked bill for Nigerian startups. That bill was issued by the National Information Technology Development Agency. Uh, They've indicated that the policy for new Nigerian startups is antiquated and they are trying to revise that policy. So um, there was a lot in that bill, but it looks like They're asking tech companies to get a license, pay a whole lot of tax profit levies, and then there's some penalties associated with noncompliance. And so, you know, it's a it's another shift in the in the environment of this ecosystem. And, you know, I I can I can definitely see your perspective, Bernard. It does feel like it might be a wait and see because there obviously will be more to come on this. Um, Yawande, I'd love to hear your perspective uh, on some of the areas that you see, uh, areas of growth that you see in the Nigerian startup ecosystem and any other comments that you think are relevant. Yeah, thanks, Charlene. Hi, everyone. Um, Thanks, Bernard. Bernard is a great guy. So in addition to what Bernard said, um, and and I won't take anything away from what he said because he's spot on and he's right, um, we've seen immense growth from, you know, different startups, different tech-enabled businesses, even in the crypto space. So I'll first start with the crypto space. So one thing that um, Nigerians have done very well and Africans have done very well is to simplify uh, the front-end part of crypto. And I'll say, for example, you know, a lot of people were amazed at at how many people are familiar with Bitcoin and actually have, you know, a fraction of Bitcoin or actually, you know, trading crypto. what the startups did was, you know, kind of simplify the user apps, um, try to educate them, you know, building like KYC processes and, you know, that level of, you know, um, technology and product and thinking through, navigating through all the issues um, is also part of the innovation that comes out of Africa. And you know, a lot of people are now seeing um, how that works. Um, we have a couple of, um, you know, crypto startups now, including Bitnob. Um, now, more people are now looking at, innovation beyond that. Um, so they're looking at, you know, how they can have, for so example, um, in this space, there's Habib uh, working on a universal API, which allows, you know, other crypto startups pay out money to anybody in the world, any bank in the world, and they're stringing different APIs, on writing on different blockchains, and being able to allow people just move money instantly um, in seconds. So people are now looking at um, the, the challenges that we're facing and then building solutions. And I think that's why there's a lot of innovation coming out of Nigeria, coming out of Africa. Um, fintech is really booming. Um, one thing because um, fintech is building the rails for all the other startups to be able to 
trade and make a business out of their ideas. So I think it's interesting. It's an interesting time, especially during the pandemic, because people have now realized that, you know, the world is smaller than we think. Um, and, you know, you know, we're just here to support them and see how we can navigate regulatory issues. Awesome. Thank you, Yomande. I love that. The world is absolutely smiling. And, you know, I think that um, the opportunity to build the the rails in a way that makes the most sense for everybody is an incredible opportunity. And that's exactly what's happening in Nigeria. Awesome. So we had three people that wanted to actually come and contribute to the discussion. So I've brought them on stage. So I'm just going to go ahead and call on them. So I think the first one was Ibrahim. Uh, um, welcome to the stage. We'll take your comment or your question. Um, hello, uh, my name is Ibrahim. Um, I so just recently um, discovered West African, most specifically Nigerian and Ghanaian uh, tech Twitter, um, and I'm so excited. I'm, I'm Somali American. I live out in the uh, in the U.S. Um, and I'm just really excited and happy to to hear about all all that um, is happening in the tech ecosystem in 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 West Africa. Um, I'm completely caught, caught off guard. I didn't think I, I initially I thought Kenya was like maybe the leader of Black Africa in, in tech, but I'm completely um, uh, uh, caught off guard and really um, happy about this. I have a, a quick question for the panel. Um, so. There is a lot of a lot of uh, frontier innovation that's happening in in, in West Africa. For example, um, uh, this startup here, uh, BitConnect, um, with Bernard, um, is is there a market connection between East Africa and West Africa, and and uh, what are what are the opportunities, and is that something that's been explored? Thanks for that question, Ibrahim. Yeah. Go ahead, Bernard. Thank you, Ibrahim. Uh, currently. Uh... I don't think there's a lot of um, connection, um, especially in the fintech um, space. They probably have maybe, I don't know, I don't really know if a lot of startups even um, doing things between the two uh, markets um, because, of course, you know, the whole African market, they kind of like really segmented where one thing is easy here and then one thing is really difficult uh, in the, on the other side. So, uh, I mean, even West Africa, you don't see that connection that you would, I really want as well, uh, but yeah. So there, there are opportunities. Um, I know someone, um, you know, who who has a Telegram group, and what he does is uh, he he does a lot of remittances between um, Somalia and uh, Ghana and Nigeria. So he just has a Telegram group where uh, just something like a Hawala kind of system in Telegram. He's just cashing out there. Frankly, just gets settled in Bitcoin, and he's able to move the money to you. Uh, to any of these countries and he has been running for i don't know four or five years right now and he has more than 1000 people in the group like constantly sending money so uh, i don't know so it's probably things like that we'll probably need like um a like a better front end that um, makes uh, the uh, flows much easier all right thank you bernard Ibrahim, does that answer your question? Yes, that answers my question. Actually, goes beyond. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised about the, um, the, the gentleman. Is that a just a quick question? Is that is that a Somali person? I'm assuming. I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's um, he's Somali. Yeah, I met him in Accra back then. Okay. 
he used to be the biggest, uh, one okay. of the biggest guys selling Bitcoin on local Bitcoin. So, an early Bitcoin as well. Yeah, so maybe he, um, um, he is um, definitely someone that you want to know, Abraham, perhaps. perhaps. <laughs> um, and and then your, your question about definitely. kind of being surprised about all of this amazing innovation that's happening. This is exactly why we're having this discussion, right? You know, Nigeria is leading yeah. the way with regards to Bitcoin and blockchain innovation. And I think that we have to acknowledge that, give Nigeria credit and amplify the stories of the innovators that are leading that revolution. So this is exactly, I'm glad you mentioned that, Abraham, because I feel like Nigeria um, is Bitcoin's best kept secret and it just shouldn't be that way at all. Definitely. I, I agree I agree with you 100%. I'm here for it. Awesome. Thanks for your for contributing to the discussion. Okay, let's go to Lord. Welcome to the stage, Lord. We'll take your comment or your question. Hi, how's it going, Charlene? Um, yeah, this has been an awesome place. I just wanted to um, uh, to ask a couple of questions. Uh, according to uh, my assessments and my data, uh, the lightning uh, use uh, and adoption in the emerging markets will most likely drive uh, Bitcoin adoption over the next decade. Uh, and that adoption is most likely to be in Africa, uh, with Nigeria being one of the leads. Uh, so I just want to get uh, your feeling on uh, the increase of movement towards Lightning uh, by the diaspora in sending uh, their remittances. Uh, seeing that uh, in the, the last figures uh, publishable at 2019 for Nigeria, where 83% uh, of the federal government budget uh, was made up of government remittances, which is 11 times more than foreign direct investment, 11 times more than uh, the foreign aid you received in that period. Uh, so it was around um, probably uh, $25 billion, uh, with projections for $29 billion in 2021. So, yeah, just curious about the uptake of Lightning and Bitcoin for remittance. Being, uh, it makes a large part of the government budget uh, and he's about 7% of GDP. So, yeah, that'll be great. Okay, um, thank you, Lord. Um, so, regarding lightning um, adoption, so uh, probably in the next two, three months, uh, we'll see how that goes uh, because uh, we actually just uh, launched um, lightning yesterday. Uh, we rolled it out to the first couple of hundred of users to uh, try it. And, you know, we've had people sending money from the U.S., uh, you know, between back and forth, U.S. and Nigeria, and uh, just getting used to the experience. And the way I imagine it is, it's going to go. It's uh, the market is naturally going to move to uh, the most efficient form of money, the most efficient form of transport. Uh, you know, the most efficient channel that actually moves uh, value uh, for them, right? And of course, uh, lightning, lightning is lightning is uh, like P two P out of the box and. Uh, what we've done is basically just give it like um, a much better user experience. And if I can send money from my Chase Bank account, uh, you know, or from my cash app, you know, straight to Nigeria and 
the interesting thing is I can send dollar, right? Um, that's not something that is possible today, but then I can send uh, $1 to you uh, back in Nigeria. So I, I imagine that, um, you know, as more people see this, especially from the African diaspora, that is what is going to spur the uh, adoption over here since remittances uh, kind of make a chunk, uh, you know, of uh, our budgets. And uh, I think I think the... I think the central banker, you know, has probably like lost, uh, like a way to basically, you know, probably make more revenue from this. If they had supported uh, crypto companies more uh, and have eyes on the money, because right now they've practically moved everyone into a more peer-to-peer market. And uh, what we've done at Bidnop, especially, is kind of to actually build um, these lightning rails. So what uh, we've built out like a full infrastructure that supports uh, you know other companies who want to integrate lightning into like let them go live with lightning in like one two weeks tops when after we build the infrastructure it just took us like uh, a week or two to have it uh, fully functional on our mobile app so any mobile app any website you know can practically do that so now it's just a case of more education getting more people to try it out and uh, we believe that they're going to get uh, you know it's That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. Uh, that's exactly why I was asking, because I think Africa numerically uh, is going to drive uh, Bitcoin adoption in the next decade because precisely uh, they've got such a large population to adopt Lightning. Uh, and I agree, your central bank should have probably uh, gotten in on crypto in general and Bitcoin specifically early uh, if they wanted to uh, explain find a regular because with the movement to light uh america even america doesn't have the resources to uh adequate adequately monitor lightning transactions which are not on chain that'll be nearly impossible in emerging markets so the central bank has lost out there uh, i'm extremely bullish uh for africa particularly in nigeria who's usually at the spearhead of africa so uh, it's great to hear that more power to you guys Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Lord. So I just want to be conscious of time. We are actually at, at and here in the U.S., it's 104. So I guess there in West Africa, it is uh, 604. Um, I just want to be conscious of time. Bernard, do you have about 10 or 15 more minutes to go or, or what's your time schedule looks like? No, that's all right. That's all right. Um, it's due to, to malaria, so I have time. <laughs> yes, I know. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're a little bit better. And I really appreciate you, um, I guess, pushing through and being a part of this conversation. So we have a couple of additional speakers I just want to get through. Um, let us go to Lamar. So this is Lamar Wilson. Uh, of course, Lamar is the founder of the Black Bitcoin Billionaire Club and also a Bitcoin developer in all around, um, I guess, um, veteran in the Bitcoin space. So Lamar, go ahead. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Yeah, but I know I know a bunch of you guys. Um, I guess my biggest question is, one of the things I love about what I'm hearing out of Nigeria is that you guys have built a pretty robust peer-to-peer network. Of course, um, I know Paxful is, is helping with that. But what kind of advice could you give to the rest of the world as far as trying to build these types of peer-to-peer networks that allow people to exchange um, their Bitcoin even if you know, even if they wind up getting into a situation where the banks want to be at, um, adversarial to to the network, 
Like, um, what kind of advice could you all give to the rest of us? Yeah, a simpler advice uh, I can give that uh, I feel is more practical is um, to to do business with more people, uh, you know, around Africa, right? Uh, once because whatever I tell you right now, if you can't really, if you don't experience it, you you will not get the you not know firsthand how to uh, solve your own challenge. But I think if you do business with more people, uh, you know, if you hire people, if you hire freelancers, you hire people for your companies uh, from Nigeria, from African countries, you'll be able to like understand those problems uh, much better and how they're solving it, and you'll be able to see how you can apply it. Uh, to yourself, because uh, when you look back, uh, part of the stereotype that we've suffered as Africans or as Nigerians, uh, you know, online is, you know, scams and all of those things. But this is like changing the narrative, right? And you have to be able to take that bold step to do business with this. Because if you don't do business with me, you're not really going to understand my culture. You're only going to hear what I tell you. But when you talk to me daily, you talk to me time from time, you do business with me, you're able to have like a first-hand experience of uh, what we are like. That way no one can tell you that this is that, this is that, because, uh, you know, you have seen for yourself and that. So I think it starts from there. And once it gets from there, you'll be able to see that these people, this is what they're experiencing. And then I could experience this someday. And then this is how I should be able to solve it the same way they're doing that. It's great advice. Thank you, Bernard. Lamar, any other follow-up questions from you? Just, I guess, I, I like that a lot, uh, Bernard, about working with people that are there. I think I was just, like, really trying to figure out, did you all, do people utilize local businesses? Are there individuals that allow for the smooth peer-to-peer uh, -peer transactions that I hear so much about? Or is it only just, like, Paxful? You know what I'm saying? Or is it just people are creating their own peer-to-peer -peer networks that was the question i was oh, trying to like yeah 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 that was the question i was trying to get out i think somebody was going to answer that. yeah i think okay the, okay he was on mute go ahead yeah i get it um okay so uh to to have your own um so the way i say it is to have your own bitcoin exchange in nigeria uh you just need a phone and a bitcoin wallet and uh you need a phone, a Bitcoin wallet, and WhatsApp or Telegram, and boom, you have a business, right? Um, people do a lot of P2P transactions on WhatsApp, on Telegram. Uh, just like the example I've I gave of the Somali guy uh, who has like, you know, more than a thousand people on Telegram uh, that he does remittances for. That's all he needed. He didn't need to go open an office. He didn't need to go register on any, uh, you know, get a license or whatever. He probably just has a bidding up account, has a Paxful account, has a Binance account. And with those things, he owns his business. That, that's, that's what it's like for us over here. So it's just leveraging your network. Um, you know, if, uh, you know if, if a student wants to start uh, you know, doing this today, he has WhatsApp, gets all these accounts, gets his first Bitcoin. The next thing he does in the morning is wake up, go to his WhatsApp status and say, hey, I buy and sell Bitcoin. People who trust him will start dealing with him. And then that's how he spreads word of mouth and before you know uh he could get bigger and that's how i started and then this is where i am today hmm. makes sense to me lamar was that helpful uh -oh. oh yes very 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 thank you thank you very much bernard awesome you're welcome right. lamar. thanks for that great question okay i think the next speaker we have is um habib habib welcome to the stage we'll take your comment or your question um, hello, everyone. Um, yeah, great to be here. Um, 
Uh-oh, I think Habib might have lost the connection, so let's give him a couple of minutes while he gets reconnected. I'm just going to do a quick check to see if there anybody, there's anyone else that wants to speak. I think Habib, last question for the time. Where'd you go, Habib? Oh, man. Um, I think Habib might have dropped the call. I think we also might have lost uh, Heritage. Oh, Heritage is back. And let me give one second. Uh, let me give it. I, I, sorry, okay. Go ahead. Yeah, no, go ahead. I, we were, I was going to try to give Habib a little bit of time to come back. Did you have something you wanted to add, Yawande? Go ahead. Yeah, so um, I think in addition to the question I was asked, Bernard, Bernard, um, I think you may want to also talk about how to hedge risk uh, around loopholes. Um, how does that work for a peer-to-peer system? Bernard, okay, um, so, uh, I mean, it depends on um, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, the loopholes are kind of dependent on, on the platform that you're using, right? Uh, so, can you hear yes, me? Yes, yes, we hear you. Go ahead. Saying it's disconnected. Okay, okay. Yeah, so, um, I mean, for, for a lot of the uh, peer-to-peer platforms like Parksful, you know, they have, uh, you know, all of these dispute systems that um, settles disputes between two people if there's uh, any issues. Of course, people have problems with the, those dispute uh, systems uh, sometimes. So the simple advice is kind of, uh, you know, if you don't get paid, then don't release the funds and don't uh, don't just um, don't just do P2P with um, strangers, of course. Uh, don't just do P2Ps with strangers because if it's with a total stranger, there's like really no one that uh, can help you. Like, uh, and and when I say strangers, like it's actually really sophisticated. Um, so I, I was once in a P2P group and uh, I wanted to buy $5,000 worth of Bitcoin. Uh, that was in 2018. And then someone reached out to me in the group and said, oh, there's another group. Like, it's really good. I should come in that one. Uh, it's faster. And somehow I joined them and I went into the group and there was like 50 people in the group and once in a while someone would post something like a real transaction is going on i can assure you that the the guys scammed me like i paid one of them the moderator was right there turns out like it was the same person with two phones and like they, they, they like had a network right uh and since then i felt like damn if i'm experiencing this and these guys are really sophisticated then uh we really have to be careful so it's best just do with someone you know or someone some another person you trust recommend to you because uh, once you, well, if you do it that way, there's really no one to, uh, you know, uh, get your money back for you if they scam you. Like these guys, some of these people are just uh, looking for people to scam. They're in groups. So you could be in a company's Telegram group and you have someone reaching out to you. It's advised not to uh, transact with um, the person unless the group admin says, yeah, we verified this person. And in most cases, you won't really see that. So it's more of uh, don't do it if the person what didn't come recommended uh, to you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you for your one day for mentioning that point of risk management and then pushing through the scams. Um, and I really love Bernard's earlier point about yeah. kind of a new narrative for the perception of Nigeria. A lot of times, um, you know, people love to talk about this, you know, this stereotype that happens in Nigeria about corruption and scams. Um, and it's it's for me, it's refreshing to to have uh, another story of innovation, the story of kind of um, of of change and just 
uh, just an amazing startup ecosystem. So, uh, and of course, there are lots of other countries that also have that, um, that have data to support uh, a scam slash uh, corruption stereotype. Yet, for some reason, some of those countries don't get that tag. So, um, uh, but yes, if you're going to be in the lightning space or even in crypto, you have to make sure you're protecting your investors and also your investments against scams. So I know Heritage is back. Heritage, did you have something you wanted to add? Okay, maybe not. We have, okay, we have one. Oh, go ahead, Heritage. Yeah. Uh, I think I can, you know, add a bit of code that gets to interrupt uh, my network. Yes, I think I'm back now. Yes, in regards to what uh, Bernard said in, um, on more like um, security and scam awareness, I, I would like to tell everybody in the um, crypto space in general that if it's actually too good to be true, then you actually need to not go for it. You, you don't need to trust it. You, you, you should trust a platform for peer-to-peer, -peer, a platform more automated than um, a manual platform that is more like um, you getting um, your cryptocurrency exchange on um, automated platforms where non-platforms like um, business don't like um, resort into um, Telegram groups and, and, and all. I think um, there are different um, platforms, exchanges people tend to use in Nigeria. I think when the ban started around um, February, people transitioned into peer-to-peer -peer using um, Binance. I think Binance was able to scale as fast as possible to enable peer-to-peer -peer, uh, transaction then. And as far as this is concerned, so if you'll be leveraging the P2P ecosystem, uh, you actually need to go through an automated platform rather than conventional, um, 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 probably WhatsApp groups, um, Telegram platforms, or all these social or media uh, platforms. Yeah, that, that's, that's what I think I want to chip in at the moment. And um, let's keep progressing. Okay. Thank you, Heritage. All right, so we have two more folks that have requested to speak and then about this discussion. So um, let's see, I wanna go back to Habib who has rejoined us. Um, Habib, welcome to the stage. We'll take your comment or your question. Um, hello everyone, sorry, I, I had like network issues. I, I was talking, I didn't know like I was off. Um, yeah, thank you for like hosting the space and like um, shout out to everyone. Shout out to my Oga, Bernard, um, Yoandi. Thank you for like mentioning like Inversa API. Um, so you and I uh, mentioned about like um, she spoke about Universal API like some time, um, and I just wanted to like touch on it and um, briefly like talk about like what we do right. Um, so um, I I think I won't say like remittance and liquidity kind of like go like hand hand right. Um, I mean, so before we so we worked on a business like called Protocol right and um, Protocol. Um, does like blockchain consulting for like um, businesses, right? And one thing that we realized was a lot of businesses like they want to scale to like two, three countries, right? The first issue that they have is like liquidity, right? So if you want to scale to two, three countries, then you need to hold like the local value in those countries, right? And when you hold value in those countries, then you are kind of like exposed to like value, um, like inflation, a lot of all that. And it's very expensive, right? Because then you need more money to expand to more countries, right? In some cases, you might probably scale your license and all of all that, right? So what we've done in Basai API is we've created like infrastructure, a platform for um, businesses to easily connect, right? And when you connect, you can hold like digital assets. So we, we accept like 
USDT, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and all of all that, right? And then we allow you to pay us to over 60 plus countries, right? So all of Europe, Hong Kong, China, India, um, we have like African countries as well. So we allow businesses to pay us like easily, right? And that way they don't have to stress with like security and all of all that. And we also built like a customer facing um, side. So we have like DAPI, um, the DAPI network, that's DAPI.network. And um, the way it works is um, we report for like several blockchains like Conflux, Avalanche, Stellar, Finance, Ethereum, Sovereign. Like, so a lot of like um, crypto like enthusiasts, they have like wallets like Trust Wallets, Coinbase Wallet, and all of all that, right? So you go to um, the DAPI um, platform and then you choose your blockchain, right? then you connect your wallet to it. So you can connect your wallet. So when you connect your wallet, right, what happens is you can just cash out the tokens that you have on your wallet directly to um, the countries that we, that we mentioned, right? You can, you can send money to any country, like, across the world, right? Yeah, so in a nutshell, that's kind of like built, right? Um, I mean, if you're a business and you want to talk to us about how you can um, expand quickly and easily without um, spending a lot of cash and just one line and easily um, be happy to talk to you. If you're like a crypto enthusiast too, as well, um, we'll be happy to talk to you about how you can leverage that be easily connect your network and um, do cash out threats. And we're also building support for like wallets as well. And um, we have support with like Lobster Wallet and Conflux blockchain and all of all that. So if you have like a like a like an app or a crypto platform as well. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Habib. One second. I'm sorry. Did did you have a question? I, I'm so sorry. I the, my line might not be um might not be so clear. I wasn't able to get did you have a question for the panel? Oh no, I didn't have a question. I was just like making a comment to talk about like what we're working on. Okay, talking about what you're working on is, is this for your company? Oh yes, yes. Okay. So, you know, I, I, you know, I, if you don't mind, um, you know, I, like, can you just go ahead and finish your last statement? And I just want to make sure we have time to get to this next uh, speaker. Oh, I appreciate you yeah, sharing yeah. for I'm sure. Done. Done. Um, but I'm if done. you could just kind of wrap up a little bit, I want to get to the next speaker and just really be conscious of, of folks' time. So thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm done. Thank you. Thank you for the platform. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you so much for sharing. All right. So the last speaker that we had, we had uh, Robert Neal. Um, Robert, thanks for joining us. Did you have? We'd love to hear your comment or your question. Hey, can you guys hear me? Yep. Awesome. So I, uh, similar to another speaker earlier, I was born in Liberia and been living in the states uh, since 2000. And what I'm really curious, and I know this is a Bitcoin specific talk, but what I'm curious about is uh, how's Ethereum or even just smart contract technology, specifically these finance, uh, NFTs, or even like emerging things like play to earn, really being fostered in West Africa, just because it's hard for me living here to kind of know what's going on back home. And all I really see is a lot, like I don't, I don't get to see as much information. So if you guys had any uh, info on like where I could pay attention, who would be worth following and learning from, that'd be really useful. Uh, um, let let me take um, Robert's sure. question. Um, Robert, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, okay, okay. So, uh, talking about what you said, I I, I would like to tell you that uh, despite the fact that this uh, space is actually focused on 
Bitcoin, we are actually not indifferent about talking about altcoins and um, as well as sheet coins. We, we tend to expand our narrative towards that. But when it comes to the question you're asking, I would like to inform you that excluding investing, excluding um, trading, um, there, are, there are different um, use cases around other smart chain uh, contracts and um, altcoins in Nigeria, majorly in in regards to the um, NFTs, I mean, the non-fungible tokens. I, I, I know quite a lot of artists in West Africa, quite a lot of artists in um, in Nigeria that have been um, reeling through the altcoins, especially the um, Italian network, the uh, 115 um, London Asphalt Network that went um, live few few days back and also getting um themselves acquainted with opusi.io majorly using um all these altcoins and um getting transactions in um act related activities i think just of recent uh, one of nigerian top celebrities that seems to be on 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 30 billion more like um davido's crew i think it should be peruzi it bought an NFT um, worth um, thousands of dollars um, recently, and is, I think it showcased that on one of and also um, the live version of it. So a lot of things have been going underground um, when it comes to um, um, when it comes to involvement in all these altcoins. It's not just focused only on, on Bitcoin alone. I think that might have answered your question, man. Uh, yeah. I mean, if any. Any other resources like that, I'd be perfect. I'm, I was writing them down as you were saying them. Okay, okay, amazing, amazing. Um, I, I think, um, yes, and in our subsequent series, we might be expanding on that, but um, you can, um, actu I, I, I will actually tweet about it and probably share resources so that might give you more insights into uh, what Nigerians are doing um, voraciously on the um, cryptocurrency space, not uh, only focused on uh, Bitcoin alone. And in our subsequent series, you should expect something um, giving a clear explanation about that. All right. Perfect. Thank you. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you, guys. So I think, you know what? This has been an amazing discussion of Bitcoin in Nigeria. So I want to thank everybody that's joined us in the room. What I'd like to do is just give Bernard and Yawande um, uh, just a couple minutes uh, for any closing comments and we'll close down the room. And of course, Heritage, if you have some closing comments, uh, you're welcome to speak as well. So uh, let's but let's start with Bernard. Um, Bernard, any closing comments for the room or closing advice that you want to share for the folks um, about Bitcoin's impact in Nigeria? Yeah, it's simple. I, I just feel that um, uh, more people who are not working in this space should uh, open their minds to working in this space. And the fact that uh, anyone who buys and holds even a single, even a $1 worth of Bitcoin uh, is actually speaking for a lot of people that can't uh, do it. So... Uh, in a way, this is like a peaceful revolution as well. So, uh, and we are all in it. So, every single person counts. Awesome, thank you. And we absolutely spent time today, Bernard. You wanted? Did you have any closing comments that you want to share uh, with the group? Um, no, I just want to say thank you for putting this together. Thank you for everyone that came to speak. Thank you, Bernard Heritage, and everyone that asked a question. Um, yeah. Have a great evening or afternoon. Awesome, awesome. Um, and Heritage, uh, love to have your closing comments or thoughts. 
Um, um, yeah, it's nice having this um, space today. And my closing comments will be more like um, words of encouragement to Nigerians, Africans, and the black community at large. Um, despite um, the interesting and um, incredible statistics about Bitcoin adoption in Nigeria, in Africa, we can still do more. We can do better to scale um, adoption and um, skyrocket of our education. Africa because uh, there are still large uh, populations of people in countries that are still unfed and unreached. So we can keep scaling and don't relent in the process. It's a revolution. Bitcoin is freedom. Bitcoin is sovereignty. And um, yes, let's um, get ourselves in touch with it and um, stay hold of it. Once again, I'm with Samuel. Um, that's my um, conclusion note. Thank you so much, Heritage. Thank you, Bernard. Thank you, Yumande. Thank you to everybody that came up on stage and spoke. Uh, thank you for the folks that uh, joined the space today. And also thank you for all the folks that submitted questions or comments uh, that were helpful in, uh, in putting this together. I'm so excited. This was the first time we've done this. Of course, this is the Bitcoin in Nigeria discussion series. Um, you know, we would love, love, love to have your feedback on this session. I truly believe this is the conversation about Bitcoin that we need to be having at this moment in time. And so we appreciate um, all the things that everyone that has been a part of this has been uh, done, all the things that you've done to help us bring this together. Like I said at the outset, over the course of this series, we plan to connect with fintech founders, developers, influencers, and ecosystem builders that are an integral part of the Nigeria uh, of Nigerian's Bitcoin story. So if you have access to these folks, you have ideas or concepts like us to cover, please, please reach out to myself, reach out to Heritage. I think this is, this will take a village um, because, you know, we do have networks, but, you know, if we all work together, our networks can get wider and wider and we can continue to tell uh, a story about Bitcoin is as complex and beautiful as the technology. Um, and and that is, that's what's so, so important here. Like I said at the outset, I believe that Bitcoin in Nigeria continues to be the great equalizer and the great enabler. And I just think it's so important for us to create space for these, uh, these discussions. So thank you again. My name is Charlene Badrepo, and I'm closing down this room. I hope everybody has a wonderful rest of the day. Take care, everyone. Bye. Awesome room, Charlene. Awesome, awesome, awesome room. Thank you, Lamar. <laughs>